Welcome to Blitzcast, an NFL Draft podcast brought to you by NFLDraftBlitz.com. And now, your hosts, Alex Kavtov and Ed Hunt. Welcome to Blitzcast number 108, another week, another Blitzcast episode. Ed, the NFL schedule has been released. The NFL wants to continue and, and be a full go with with the season, they release their schedule like they're starting the season in, in September. I've heard different accounts. I've heard that some people believe that the season will get pushed back to the middle of October. Uh, they'll take four weeks to prepare for the NFL season, and then we'll go on. I, I just, just first before we, we, we go into anything, I mean, hallelujah that, you know, the NFL is making you know, steps to, to play the season. And, you know, maybe if we don't have college football, at least we have the NFL. I mean, so first, before anything, I wouldn't want to say hallelujah. Yeah, absolutely. NFL season. I mean, most people right now uh, around the country, people are losing jobs. Obviously, COVID, COVID-19 has, has hit the entire world. We all know the situation out there. I'm glad that we might get a baseball season in the middle of July and it looks like the NFL will go on, even if there's going to be a delay by a month. We're still going to get the Super Bowl at the end of February. But again, the opening weekend, it's the Texans of Kansas City. Then we get Burrow versus Herbert in week one. That should be an interesting matchup there, Ed. It's the Cincinnati Bengals against the San Diego Chargers, the two rookie quarterbacks. And then the, the ultimate matchup is going to come the Bucks at the New Orleans Saints on week one. Everybody wants to see that, Ed. Breeze against Tom Brady in a new uniform. I, and the, I mean, there's some other great games. I mean, I really hope they don't cancel this week three game. I mean, I really want to see this uh, Kansas City versus uh, Baltimore game. Because to me, that's that's if, if I'm going to do power rankings, those are my top two teams. And see them square off. I mean, that's that kind of is one of those games that kind of tell me who's the who's the top dog in the league. I mean, I think I think once that happens, you know, we'll know, you know, who's the supreme team in the AFC and even in the in the NFL. So the Ravens went 14 and 2 last year, Ed, and they have the easiest schedule in the NFL. The toughest schedule is the Patriots. They have the hardest schedule without Tom Brady. That should be interesting. They still have a top defense. They just don't have the big dog at quarterback. And we'll see if Bill Belichick is going to be able to to work his magic. I remember in 2008, when they had Matt Castle as their starting quarterback, the Patriots still went 11-5. They didn't make the playoffs that year, which was really unusual because they, they still had a really good record. But we'll see if he's going to be able to, to work his magic again. The Steelers, Ed, they have one of the easiest schedules in the NFL. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I totally agree. I mean, I, I was talking about it with some of the other writers for a site I write for. And, you know, a lot of them thought we had a tough schedule. And I was kind of like, well, I mean, what games are really that tough other than playing Baltimore twice? I mean, and, you, you know, you can't you can't avoid that. You can't avoid playing Baltimore twice when they're an individual, you know, in, in the team. So... I, I think I think um, you know I think things look pretty good for the Steelers. I mean, as far as um, you know, being able to you know run and I mean Ben Ben Roethlisberger. It sounds like he's he's getting healthy and you know they'll have Ben Roethlisberger and their defense is looking good. So I, I'm encouraged by what I see from the Steelers. Um, 
But, the, you know, going back to the Patriots, I mean, I, I, I kind of saw a headline and, you know, people were talking about, you know, tank for Trevor type of thing. I mean, I mean, is this is this really where maybe New England's going? I mean, a, you know, a speculation or I mean, I have this weird feeling. I don't know. It's just like that that Bill Belichick really likes Jared Stedham for some reason. And he does. Look, he does. They wouldn't have let Tom Brady go, and they would have done something on the free agent market, or at least traded for Andy Dalton, who eventually signed with the Dallas Cowboys as a backup quarterback. They would have done something. We know if the Patriots weren't comfortable with their quarterback situation, they wouldn't have brought in Brian Hoyer. It would have been Cam Newton. It would have been Andy Dalton. It would have been Jameis Winston, who actually signed as a backup quarterback with the Saints. It's interesting. They're going with Stidham, and I doubt that Bill Belichick wants to tank for Trevor Lawrence. All right, he wants to show the entire world that he can make it to the playoffs without Tom Brady, who has been with the franchise for the last 20 years. This is kind of his last dance, as I would call it. Bill Belichick wants to prove to everyone that he can win without his uh, big-time quarterback there at the helm. And nobody believes that he can do it with Stidham. Well... He still has a good defense, Ed. They have one of the top defenses in 2019, so it's really going to be interesting to to see that transition. My Niners actually face the toughest schedule in the NFC, which obviously they're Super Bowl. They were in the Super Bowl in 2020. It's going to be interesting to see that, but I don't have an optimistic look when I looked at the schedule uh, who the 49ers face. So. It's going to be a tough road for for Shanahan and that crew. I think the Colts and the Cowboys actually have a good path. The the Cowboys have a really lethal offense by adding CeeDee Lamb, having Mike McCarthy there. The Colts added Phillip Rivers, and they have a pretty easy schedule, especially early on. I actually believe that the Colts and the Cowboys are going to run away with, with those divisions, which is the NFC East and the AFC South. What do you think? I mean, you looked at the schedule a little bit. What intrigues you? Who who has a good path to the playoff? Who who has a, a tough road ahead? Uh, that's an interesting question. I mean, I, I would I would say um, you know I think the Bucks I think the Bucks you know could be a playoff team this year. I just with the, what they added and so so forth. Obviously, they're gonna have a tough a tough road with the NFC South. I mean, they're gonna have to play all those teams twice. But um, I think I think they're I think they're a wild card team. So I think I think they're they're definitely someone to be looking to you know this year. Um, you know I don't think. Well, it's interesting. You you and I talked about it a couple of weeks ago. You weren't a believer in the Bucks and Tom Brady. Now you are. Yeah, I mean they got a lot of older guys and so forth. But I mean the, the fact of the matter is they add Tristan Wirfs and you kind of look at their offense and it's like this is a pretty complete offense. I mean. You know, you got. I mean, if if Gronk can come back and be something, which I mean, he he isn't he isn't old. You know, he he and sometimes we've seen athletes take years off and come back strong. I mean, we've seen guys. You know, especially with the injury issues that Gronk had. I mean, for him to you know take a year off and rest himself. I mean, that might have been the best thing for his football career. So. I mean, when I think about it more, and you know, it's just Brady. Brady just always seems to have the magic. You know, he just he just always seems to have the magic, and I it's just it's just like you know when I when I do odds and predictions, and you know, I just, it's just it's so hard to, for me to bet against Tom Brady. You know, you've you've seen me on the show pick Tom Brady a lot of times to win with those Patriot teams. So 
Yeah, I, th- I think that's going to be a new team to make the playoffs. You know, they, they might be a little bit old to really, uh, you know, win the Super Bowl or make a Super Bowl run or be, you know, anything more than, you know, just a playoff team. So once we once we get to September and we come to that prediction show, or maybe it's going to be in October if the season does get pushed back by about four weeks, I'm sure you're going to pick the Bucks to win the Super Bowl, right? No, I'm. I mean, that's not what it is. <laughs> I mean, I'm just. I'm just saying. I. I think the Bucks are. <laughs> I get the joke, but I. I think the Bucks. Are, I. I think right now I stand as the Bucks are a playoff team in a tough division. All right, let's move on to the 2020 NFL Draft. Last week we we broke down the first round. We talked about winners and losers. Let's focus on day two and day three of the NFL Draft because this is where teams get better. This is where smart front offices and GMs and scouts are able to bang the table for their guy and get that difference maker on day two, that steal of the draft, or pick up those guys on day three that are going to fill up your roster for years to come, and they're going to turn out to be very good players, a lot better than those first-round picks. Let's start with round two, Ed. I look at the entire picture, and it seems like offensive playmakers was the theme in round two. We had seven wide receivers drafted in the second round, and we had five running backs that went in the second round as well. And I wanted to focus on one of our favorite wide receivers. T. Higgins went to the Bengals at 33 but one of our favorite guys, Michael Pittman Jr., went to the Colts at 34, um, the second pick in the second round. That's a really good fit for Michael Pittman Jr. out of USC, going to the Indianapolis Colts and, and having Phillip Rivers there. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Michael Pittman is uh, going to have a good NFL career. You know, I I, I, th- I thought maybe he would have been a great bargain like in the third round, but, you know, I think the NFL teams rated him as high as we were, so... Um, you know, sometimes sometimes we think a guy's underrated, and really we're just thinking, we're just comparing him to what other media people are saying, and really not, um, you know. And when we do, since we do our own work and we we do our own evaluations, I mean, we you know we we should expect these guys to go where we see them going um, instead of saying absolutely no, absolutely. I mean, you had Michael Bittman Jr. going at the end of the first round when we did the mock draft. I didn't have a problem with that. I, I felt like. He is a late first-round pick, and this is where he went. This is really good value. Phillip Rivers likes tall, wide receivers that can be big-time matchups in the red zone. Michael Pittman is a big physical receiver that you can expect to have a really good fantasy season as a rookie. Then LaVisca Chenault Ed, goes 42nd overall. I thought he was going to drop a lot further than that, but obviously the Jags at 42 didn't have a problem spending a high second round pick on on your guy from Colorado. Yeah, and I really like this pick because you know what when LaVisca Chenault is on the field, I mean he is just a dynamic player. I mean he might be he might be the best Colorado I mean offensive player ever. I mean I just I I just I can't I can't think of another offensive player in Colorado history. That's better than LaVisca Chenault. I mean, he just when he's on the field, and he's he's had tons of injury issues, and this isn't the only the injury that he's dealing with now is not the only injury he's dealt with. So, I mean, injuries could derail his career. But I mean, this is a bona fide first round pick. 
uh, you know, if you take him in the first round. He's a little unconventional. You know, they used him in a little bit of an unconventional way at Colorado. You know, a lot of screen passes and you know, short passes and, you know, also the deep ball. But, you know, he was he was very he was a little bit of a you know, he was a little bit of like a I don't want to say gadget player, but you know, he he, he kinda had like that flanker kind of role, you know, where he he um you know it, it seemed like it was more of a college type of thing. Um, but you know what? We're seeing we're seeing the college game and the NFL game start to start to, you know, come together. I mean, it's it seems like college football is starting to inspire the NFL. I mean, you know, for so long I was thinking, oh, you know, we really need pocket quarterbacks. I mean, look at like the Roethlisberger's and the, you know, Rogers's and the Brady's and they're all pocket quarterbacks. And, you know, now we're now we're seeing guys like, you know, Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes. And so, you know, and, the, and these are really, you know, coming from college style teams. And, you know, I mean, I, I think I think just different things are working in today's NFL. Yeah, teams are being more creative and they're hiring some college coaches out there and they're bringing in their schemes. And if it works, more teams will implement that. And that's what we're seeing. Even Harbaugh, look at what he did with the Ravens this year to to get the best out of Jackson out there at quarterback. At 46, K.J. Hamler went to the Denver Broncos. They get another speedster that can stretch the field. That was the theme for the Denver Broncos early. They got Jerry Judy, and then they added K.J. Hambler, another deep threat, a guy that can get yards after the catch. And then at 49, I got to touch up on it. At Chase Claypool, you knew that he was going to get overdrafted, the big wide receiver out of Notre Dame. I just didn't think he was going to he was gonna go to your Steelers. But here they are. They decided to spend their first second round pick on Chase Claypool. Yeah, and I mean I wrote an article about why this was a total reach and um you know I, I just just the the point I, the point that I kind of take away from it is that yeah, he's got great measurables and the Steelers love measurables and they love to mold guys and you know Tomlin will say, you know, we like to mold guys like Clay and you know take them and make them great football players, but I mean the fact of the matter is, is that you know in year two, I mean Juju's going to be gone. I, I, am I'm, I'm calling it right now. Juju, Juju's not going to get a second contract. The Steelers just typically, other than Antonio Brown, they really never sign their receivers to another contract. They like to just draft a new guy. They, they'd rather just load up on you know day two picks and you know just give you give you a variety of guys for Ben to throw to. So, I, I, th- I think this is this is really just. Um, I think this is really, you know, they see him as the guy who who's going to come in, and they see the numbers that are comparable to Martavis Bryant, and uh, you know, I just, I think, I think if you if you follow the show enough, I mean, I'm just more, my philosophy is more, you know, go with guys who have good good tape, you know, showed things in college and showed good attributes. And, you know, some of these teams, they they really like to see, you know, just great athletes and they think they can just kind of coach them all up. And you know what? Sometimes I I think it's a risky move because, yeah, yeah, Chase Claypool could be a very good receiver. You know, he's he's very he's very raw and, you know, they could turn him into, you know, a very good receiver better than Martavis Bryant. But, you know, it's just it's just I don't know. It's it's just so risky when you're when you're picking at forty nine. I was shocked by this pick, to be honest with you. Um, to be, I hope I'm wrong. I'm not a big Chase Claypool guy as well. I hope I'm wrong because the Steelers do have 
a great history in picking these wide receivers, especially on day two. And uh, they've done it time and time again. And we saw it in, in 2019. Deontay Johnson out of Toledo is a, had a very promising rookie season. And we questioned that as well in the third round. So it's hard to go against Kerry. It's hard to go against Colbert because he's got a history of just you know doing really, really well and picking the, the right guys at the wide receiver position. And they do a really good job in, in developing them. Well, Van Jefferson then went to the Rams. And I think he's going to remind people of Robert Woods. Because he catches the ball well and he's a crafty route runner. But I was still surprised. I was a Van Jefferson fan. I was still surprised that he won in the second round. And then Denzel Mims. And many people, including myself, with the postseason that Denzel Mims had. A great senior bowl. And then he was one of the top performance performers at his position at the scouting combine. The Baylor wide receiver, Denzel Mims. I saw him going in the late first round. Here he is. The Jets get him at 59 overall in the second round. Yeah, you know, I think this is kind of more of the right value for Denzel Mims. I mean, he's still a little bit raw, and so, I mean, I don't know if I want to spend a first-round pick on a guy who's as raw as Denzel Mims. You know, I do give him some credit. He had, you know, he showed some things at the Senior Bowl. You know, he helped, he helped that uh, Baylor team. You know, Baylor, I think, ended the year in the top 10, so... Or at least they were they were in the top ten towards the end. So, um, yeah, I mean he's he, he's an intriguing pick, but I mean I I, I don't want to overrate him and say he should have been a surefire first rounder. All right, fair enough. And then we have five running backs go in the second round. At thirty five, DeAndre Swift went to the Detroit Lions that really needed help at the running back position, and they added a, a versatile weapon out of the backfield from Georgia. And then your favorite guy, Jonathan Taylor, at 41, goes to the Indianapolis Colts. Yeah, I, I give I give the the Colts some credit with this pick. I mean, you know, the, if he if he could just keep the fumbles out, I think he can really be their primary ball carrier. Um, you know, I think I think this adds another dimension to their offense. I, I I really think I really think the Colts have been a smart organization. I mean, ever since they hired Frank Wright, I think he's done a lot of the right things there. And then we went with Cam Akers of fifty two to the Los Angeles Rams. This guy is a bit underrated because Florida State didn't have a good offensive line the past couple of years. And this guy still had a productive junior season. A lot of people see him as a home run pick because a versatile back that is explosive and can also catch the ball out of the backfield. At 55, the Baltimore Ravens hit a home run with J.K. Dobbins, a three-down back out of Ohio State, had a great junior year. And obviously, again, he's, he's going to replace Mark Ingram in the future, if not in 2020. And then a kind of an interesting pick, Ed. The Green Bay Packers once again surprise everyone in the second round by picking A.J. Dillon out of Boston College. A big running back with great speed, but I see him as a two-down back. I didn't see him as a, as a great pass protector or an effective pass catcher coming out of the backfield. So I don't know what the, the Packers strategy is here. Yeah. I, to be honest with you, I just, I didn't think the Packers really went about the draft the right way. I mean, I, you know, AJ, AJ Dillon might be my favorite pick of their picks, to be honest with you. 
Um, and that's and and I'm 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 kind of lukewarm on the pick. I mean AJ AJ Dillon is a good runner for sure, and you know the Packers the Packers kind of t- typically like to get their running backs on day three. So I mean you know this is their way of getting a high pedigree guy. You know they don't like to go after the top guys, but yeah I mean he's got a lot of tread on his tires, and um, you know he carried the load at at Boston College. So um, yeah I'd, uh, I'm just I'm just very like. I, this this pick just doesn't excite me for the Packers, and I, 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 I really just have the Packers as an overall loser in this draft. Five safeties went in the second round. We had Xavier McKinney go at 36 to the New York Giants, and then we had the first small school player come off the board at 37. It's Kyle Duggar uh, we, out of Lenore Ryan, Ed. We saw him at the Senior Bowl. I think a lot of fans were introduced to him then. And then, obviously, he blew up at the scouting combine. I was a bit surprised that the Patriots took him. But he's a versatile guy who's really athletic and has great speed. Yeah, I, I, th- I think the Patriots just always seem to to know to take... Uh, you know, I, I, th- I think they, they, they saw the tape with him, and they, they see a lot of potential in him. And, um, you know, I can't go against Bill Belichick, you know, finding defensive players. I just really can't. And I think he sees something in this kid. I think he sees enough in his tape, and that he 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 really is high on this guy. So, um, you know, he wasn't he wasn't my favorite safety. I kind of I kind of had a different approach with safeties. Um, but I mean, I, I I don't I don't rule out that he could have a very good career in the NFL. Grant Delpit, your favorite safety, my favorite safety went. 44 overall to the Cleveland Browns. It's a great fit for him. Yeah, I, I, I love this pick. It's just, uh, it, you know, one of the one of the trends that I notice is like sometimes the guys that you know seem to seem to sure, be surefire first round picks and then they drop and then they drop and then they drop and then they drop and you know they drop on draft day and I don't know those guys never really seem to re- redeem themselves in my experience. I just, I, I just, you know, I don't know what it is. It's like, um, you know, it's like sometimes the media sees something and these, these NFL scouts see something that we don't see. And, um, so, so there's the, I'm a little cautious about, I mean, uh, being my own opinion, I think this would be a great pick and a great value pick, but it seems a little too good to be true, to be honest. Trust the tape, Ed. That, that's what I always say. It doesn't matter what other people think. Yeah, he's got all the missed tackles, but what he brings in the back end in pass coverage as far as his instincts, his speed, his range, his IQ, uh, that's that's too much to pass up. And the Browns were, were uh, lucky enough to pick him up here. There are always guys that are going to fall for one reason or another, but it seems like Grant Dolpit is a really nice young man, and he was one of the leaders at LSU. And um, obviously, he had a monster sophomore season, had an injury during his junior season. That knocked him out of the first round. And other teams valued running backs and wide receivers and offensive linemen in the second round. Well, Cleveland Browns, as far as I'm concerned, got a great pick. And same thing at 45. I'm a big Antoine Winfield Jr. fan, just going to the Bucks. Instincts, range, speed. This guy's a good tackler, an all-around guy. The only thing is he's undersized, and he had some durability concerns in Minnesota. But 
If he gets on the field, this guy's going to be a big-time playmaker. You look at the second round. We talked about a lot of picks, Ed, uh, a lot of guys. Who was your favorite pick in the second round? That's a good question. Um, I, I really, I really do, I really do like the Grant Delpit pick. I mean, I just, just in the in the sense that I mean, I I have to defend him this way. I have to say, like, you know, they said they didn't like the tackling, and they said, you know, you should have been tougher. And it's like, you know, if the guy's playing hurt and he doesn't tackle as well, but he does everything else well, I mean, I give the guy the benefit of the doubt. I mean, he is, I mean, he is, a, he is a stud. I mean, he is a you know, his sophomore tape, I mean, this, this was a top 10 guy. And I, I just, I, you know, when I when I was going by, but you know, after day one, I, I was kind of thinking about, you know, which guys I wanted my team to take. And I, I, you know, I was really, I was really zoned in on like, you know, could they really get Grant Delpit? Because that, that would be great. Because he, he has shown in his college career that he can be an all-around strong safety who who can do everything for you. You know, he can he can stop the run, he can help you in the pass game, zone coverage, slot coverage. Um, I I just yeah I I I just I I'm I'm cautionary about it because there there are factors that make me worry about him. But from my perspective, Grant Delpit was the best pick. All right, I would say Michael Pittman Jr. going to the Colts just because that seems like a natural fit there. Uh, I think he would remind people of Vincent Jackson, came out a while ago from northern Colorado, who played for the Chargers and the Bucks. And I also go with Antoine Winfield Jr. Uh, going to the Bucks at 45. Let's move on to the third round. And at the top, Ed, with the 65th overall selection, Logan Wilson, the guy who you interviewed at the Pro Day, we saw him at the Senior Bowl. He did well at the Combine. Um, another Wyoming player that kind of rose to the top and, and went to the Cincinnati Bengals at the top of the third round. Yeah, I mean, um, I, th- I think he had a great Combine. I think he's a great athlete. I think he's a great kid. I mean, just you know, being, being there physically with him, I could tell he was a great kid. I, I guess uh, just one little tidbit that I wanted to share, just, you know, getting to do this and wanting to share it on the podcast was, you know, when they interviewed him, he looked so exhausted. It was, it was kind of a difficult interview to do because he just, he was so tired. He just kind of wanted to answer the question and get it done. And, um, it, you know, and it had nothing, to, it, it's not, it's not no fault of him. It's just a, you know, he, his, his pro day was really early and it was right after the combine. And it just didn't seem like he, he really had time to sleep or relax or recover from what he had done. And, um, but you know, I, I got a vibe that, you know, he's a good kid from a, you know, a good high school and, um, you know, Wyoming kid. And that's why he stayed in Wyoming. And, um, you know, I, 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 I think, I think, I think the, the Bengals are going to like this pick. Absolutely. And you know what? He was lucky enough to have a pro day. And the reason why he had a pro day, he was chosen this high because, even if teams got to know him at the Senior Bowl and at the Combine, they had a chance to follow up with him at his Pro Day, and there were a lot of teams there. This is the reason why he went in the beginning of the third round, because teams were sure that he's a great character kid, and they had a chance to, to meet with him and, and spend a lot of time with him. Um, Zach Bond. A lot of people were pushing him in the late first, early second round pick, but because of that failed diluted sample at the combine 
he goes 74th overall to the New Orleans Saints. You know, the Saints had only four picks, Ed, but they got some some good pieces out there. And Zach Bond, outside linebacker from Wisconsin, is is a nice selection here. Yeah, and I think I think it's the drug test that made him fall to the third round because he would he would have been a first or second rounder for sure. Um, you know, the the guy had the tape, and you know he 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 was he was a tough guy. I mean he. He got some buzz, you know, through through bloggers and stuff like that, you know, around the Senior Bowl. So, and I and I saw some, I saw some physicality from him uh, at the Senior Bowl. Like it, it seemed like he was really, he was really out there to impress the scouts. So, I mean, not only did he have a good career at Wisconsin, but I think I think he really wanted this NFL dream. And, um, you know, I credit I credit Sean Payton for for taking this guy. And then one of your favorite guys in this draft, just in general, was Jonathan Grenard from Florida, who went in the third round to the Houston Texans at with the 90th selection. Yeah, I, 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 I understand why he gets underrated. It's you know he's, uh, you know he doesn't he doesn't like he doesn't flash like he doesn't his his pass rushing just doesn't flash. But when you see his, you know like like when I talked to him at the Senior Bowl. I said you kind of have uh, you kind of have sneaky power, and he said he liked that. He said he said yeah, that's that's kind of what I call it, you know. Or I like that term for it. It's a, he just he just has like kind of like that sneaky strength, um, you know, as a pass rusher. And you know we've seen guys like I mean, I you know I I don't want to com- I'm not comparing him to Aaron Donald, but I just. It just kind of it a little bit reminded me of Aaron Donald, just the way he gets after the quarterback. Um, maybe not, maybe not as effectively as Aaron Donald, but um, just just the way he the way he's able to use his strength. And I think I think there's some technique that's really good in there. So um, yeah, I, you know, I'm a little surprised that he dropped as far as he did, but. I, I think this is going to be a really good pick, and I think he's going to be a very good football player in the NFL. And you know what? You can never have enough edge rushers. I would assume that's probably your favorite pick in the third it, round. It's definitely, it's definitely up there. Yeah, I, I would say, I would say, uh, you know, I kind of made a list of my favorites, um, you know, top three favorite picks, and that was in my top three for sure. Oh, who are the rest of your guys in the third round that you like? Um. Gosh, uh, in the third round, um... I'll tell you my guys, and I think you might, you know, you might agree with me here on one of them. I would say Matt Pert at ninety nine. You and I were big fans of his uh, right tackle slash offensive guard. The Giants added him to kind of they they obviously added Andrew Thomas in the first round with that fourth overall selection. And then they went with Matt Pert to, to shore up the, the other right tackle spot. So Matt Pert was one of them. I know you weren't a big fan of Adam Troutman at 105. He went to the Saints, my favorite tight end in this draft, the number one tight end. Uh, just I love how he competed at the Senior Bowl. And for a small school guy, he showed that he can, uh, he can compete at a very high level against the big boys. So that's why I said that probably Grenard was your favorite guy there in terms of the picks and in the third round there were a few reaches but you know we're not going to get into that obviously the third round there let's move on to the fourth round Ed. fourth round kind of got off to uh, a blistering start i think we saw a lot of offensive linemen go early we saw charles from lsu go to the redskins john simpson 
The offensive guard out of Clemson went 109 to the Raiders. Solomon Kinley went to the Miami Dolphins, a 111. Uh, but one of your favorite tight ends, actually your number one tight end, went in the fourth round to the Cleveland Browns, and that's Harrison Bryant from FI from Florida Atlantic. Yeah, I mean, he was my number one tight end on the board, and I think you get a nice value pick there. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know if this was a year that I would have drafted a tight end in the first or second round anyway. Um, so maybe wait till the third or fourth round, and you know, get a guy like Harrison Bryant. Uh, you know, I, I, I kind of liked, I kind of liked what they did with their day three picks. Let's talk about a couple of guys that we interviewed on this podcast. James Morgan was drafted in the fourth round by the New York Jets to be their backup quarterback to Sam Darnold at number 125 here. Morgan obviously showed a lot of, uh, at the East-West Shrine game, he showed a strong arm and was the best quarterback there. And then, a little bit of a shocker, but at 135 in the fourth round, Kevin Dotson, our last interview of the 2020 season in terms of the NFL draft prospects, the offensive guard from Louisiana, went to your uh, Pittsburgh Steelers, Ed. Yeah, I mean, just talking about the James Morgan pick, I think I think he's kind of a guy who would just be good to have in your quarterback room. You know, he kind of comes he kind of comes off as a smart guy, well spoken guy, and um, you know, it, it's just you know, you you put you put you put those guys in your uh, in you know your backup room, and maybe he may not be the the top backup, but maybe he kind of develops into being a top backup, and you know, you kind of carry him on your roster and. Um, you know, be the number three and just kind of improve that room and help help the starter get ready. And um, you know, I, I think that I think the 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 Jets really made some moves. I think this draft to really help out Sam Darnold. I mean, they this this was really you know after the seeing ghosts out there, um, you know, comments. I think I think the Jets really said you know what we really we really need to get some support for Sam Darnold. And not only are they supporting him with offensive linemen and receivers but they're also supporting him with backup quarterbacks in that room to help him all right some of my favorite picks obviously here in the fourth round i would say amik robertson uh going at 139 to the las vegas raiders that was a really good pick he's a feisty physical corner uh, very instinctive with great ball skills antonio gandy golden the big wide receiver uh, who has really good ball skills and can do some things after the catch from Liberty at 142 to the Washington Redskins. And then, um, let's see, a couple of other ones that I saw out here. James Lynch at 130, a defensive lineman from Baylor. He was a Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year. He goes to the Minnesota Vikings. And at 129, Cameron Clark, the big offensive lineman from Charlotte, he can play right tackle. He can play offensive guard, which is something I saw at the East-West Shrine game when he was there. Just really long wingspan. And once this guy sustains the block, it, it's hard to get around him. So another solid fourth round in terms of in terms of selections. Let, let's go to the fifth round, Ed. And the fifth round you know, offered some surprises out there in terms of we finally, in the fifth round, I would say, we finally saw Jake Fromm come off the board, the quarterback from Georgia going to the Buffalo Bills. I, I just, uh, it's it's like the Patriots have totally shocked me with 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 what you know. I I thought Jake Fromm would have been a perfect 
pick for them and for them to I mean I just remember seeing them in the fourth round and them go with somebody else and it was like you know it just it just floored me it was like Jake Fromm's on the board that could be your guy you know you could you could get a fourth round pick for you know your a guy who I actually think could start for them and uh you know he he's gonna be a guy who you know, he, he brings that kind of Brady intelligence and passion to the room. You know, he, he has that kind of it factor. And, um, you know, he can play in that Patriots system. I mean, they wouldn't have to change their offensive system as much for Jake Fromm as they will for Jarrett Stidham. Well, I mean, Stidham has the familiarity uh, with that with that system. He's been in it. He's been a backup to Tom Brady. And obviously the Patriots didn't want to create competition with Jake Fromm and Jake Fromm slides in I'm sure he's going to beat out Matt Barkley as the backup there with the Buffalo Bills he will slide in and be the backup to Josh Allen but I think that was the story for me and Jake Fromm going to the cold to the Buffalo Bills where they have snow where they have rain they need a quarterback that has a huge arm and it seems like they have that in Josh Allen and they picked the complete opposite quarterback to be his backup for the next, you know, hopefully five, seven years, maybe a decade. Is it possible that maybe, I mean, is it possible that maybe uh, Josh Allen gets overtaken by Jake Fromm? I mean, is that is that totally out of the realm of possibility? I mean, I, th- I, think, I think it's possible. I mean, you know, Josh Allen, I mean, has a strong arm, you know, has done all right as a runner. I mean, he's won some games. He's led that team. But, you know, if, if, uh, if Josh Allen, if if Josh Allen starts to fall, um, you know maybe Jake Fromm gets the job. Well, last year the Buffalo Bills made the playoffs, and a lot of people praised Josh Allen. But the thing is, the Buffalo Bills made the playoffs because they had a great defense, and they're still going to have a great defense this year. But they added more weapons for Josh Allen, and one of them, you know, they added Gabriel Davis from UCF. But the major one is Stephon Diggs. They traded, you know, a first-round pick to get Diggs to be the, the number one weapon for Josh Allen. So this is a big year for Allen. If he can't get it done with the weapons that they've added there, it's, hey, who knows? I mean, Jake Fromm could, if he learns the system quickly enough, you could see some competition out there. But Josh Allen is the starting quarterback moving forward. Fromm is the backup. If, you know, if the competition opens up, it's going to be in 2021. Let's move on to the sixth round, Ed. Uh, we're looking at some names out there. I mean, did, did you like some favorite picks? Like my favorite pick in the sixth round, Ed, I'll, I'll show you it right off the bat. It's James Prochet at 201 going to the Baltimore Ravens. Obviously, you know that the Ravens were my biggest winners in the entire 2020 NFL draft. And, and they get a guy with great hands, a slot receiver, and James Prochet. That was an excellent pick in the sixth round. Yeah, I love I love that pick. Um, I I you know I I think he I think he had great tape and um, you know I I don't I don't quite understand why he fell to the sixth round. I think he would have been like a nice fourth round pick. I mean I would assume coming from SMU, you know team you know he isn't considered like a top program guy and I think that's pretty much the knock on him. But um, you know very very productive receiver in college and. Um, yeah, I, I think they got a nice find in the sixth round. So, um, yeah, I mean, sometimes you can find good receivers in the sixth round. You know, we saw Kelvin Harmon. 
Well, I would say he fell just because he doesn't have big-time speed. And he's not a guy that's going to pick up a lot of yards after the catch. He's not very elusive. Uh, some people would question whether he can separate at the next level. But I think he can if he gets put in the slot as a full-time receiver. Um, that, that's probably the question mark. And he doesn't have the athletic background. He's not. He didn't test well at the combine. But when I watched the film, I knew he wasn't going to test well. I knew he wasn't going to be the, the fastest guy out there. This guy plays much quicker on tape. He's more quick than fast, and I just think he's a fantastic pick and is going to be a very solid slot receiver for the Ravens. And the Ravens also needed some, some weapons at the wide receiver position. Another guy that went to the Ravens, uh, Iowa safety, Geno Stone. I know he was your one of your favorite safeties in this draft. Yeah, I, I like Geno Stone. Um, I, I don't know if he was maybe my... Uh... My top two or my top three. He was well. He was well liked by other other bloggers too. I mean, he this wasn't a guy, you know, was 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 a big secret. Um, I don't I don't really understand how he fell so far, but I mean, he's a, you know, I think I think he could be a nice pick, and um, you know, sometimes you find a good safety in the seventh round. And again, the Ravens are valuing film over the athletic testing here, especially with the late picks. They did it with James Prochet in the sixth round, and they picked up Geno Stone out of Iowa in the seventh round. Guys that are just really good football players, and and that's what they are. And then I'm looking at some other picks in the seventh round. You know, I was actually very surprised that Eno Benjamin, who is one of the better pass catchers in this draft, the fact that he fell all the way to the seventh round to the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, I, I would definitely agree with that. I mean, D, you know, Eno Benjamin and Eno Benjamin had pretty good tape. I mean, he was more he was more of a mid round pick for me. Um, I I I, I kind of this is kind of why I think you just you can wait with running backs. I think you can find good running backs late in late in the draft. And I mean, sometimes it's like sometimes it's like when I'm grading a draft, it's like the teams that went after a running back early, unless you get a real good one. I mean, it's just like what's the point? All right, let's let's talk about your boy, Dane Jackson. Another selection in the seventh round, and this is actually a good fit for him. Ed, he goes to the Buffalo Bills at two hundred and thirty-nine. It's not a bad spot to go to because Buffalo Bills know how to develop those players in the secondary. Yeah, I I, re- I really like this pick. Um, I I thought he was a little bit underrated in this draft and. Um, you know, I thought he did he did some good things at the Senior Bowl, so you know he can play with that competition. And um, I thought I thought he was a good cover corner at at, at Pitt, and um, so I, I I fully support this pick, and I, I think this might be my favorite pick of the seventh round. I was surprised actually that our boy from James Madison, Ben DiNucci, was drafted in the seventh round by the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, what did you think of that pick? I mean, the Cowboys obviously needed to bring in some competition out there for that third spot. Well, they decided to go with, with Ben DiNucci over some other guys out there. Yeah, I mean, I, the Cowboys are one of those teams that like to have three good quarterbacks on their team. And so, um, you know, bringing in Ben DiNucci brings some competition in. Um, I think he's a, I think he's a smart kid, well-spoken. And, uh, you know, I think I think he uh, I think he, he could at least he could at least be a positive, a positive influence with that with that locker room. There was a really funny story. The Saints, uh, 240, 
decided to select Tommy Stevens, the quarterback out of Mississippi State. He was at Penn State before. And the reason why they, they selected him in the seventh round was because the Panthers had a deal with him as an undrafted free agent. And it seems like the Saints wanted him as well. And Sean Payton knew this, that he already had a deal in place with the Carolina Panthers. And Tommy Stevens said, hey, I already agreed to, to sign with the Panthers. So Sean Payton did the next best thing. He, he drafted the quarterback in the seventh round. So I thought that was a really interesting story and just the behind the scenes stuff that goes on and, and all the tampering that goes on in the NFL with free agents and the NFL draft. I just thought that was a really funny story. Yeah, I, I, the thing is with Tommy Stevens, though, is, I mean, he, he really just just strikes me as more of a college quarterback. I think his game really kind of more fits the college game. And so I don't... I don't. I don't know. I don't know if I really would have wasted a draft pick on him. I mean, he he might be kind of an interesting, uh, you know, guy to have as a as like a, a a practice squad quarterback or like a scout team quarterback, just because you know he he can kind of bring that you know passing ability, but also. Um, you know he can, he can help you in the running game and he can help you with those running quarterbacks and help teams get ready for running quarterbacks. Well, apparently Sean Payton sees a little bit of Taysom Hill in him because Tommy Stevens is an athletic guy. He is a running quarterback, and I think he is going to be a developmental type of guy, a practice squad guy because, look, the Saints have Drew Brees. They signed Winston to a one-year deal, and then they signed Taysom Hill to be possibly their quarterback of the future. So they've got three guys on the roster already. I don't think they're going to carry four quarterbacks, but I think they can stash somebody like Tommy Stevens on the practice squad as well. You know, I got to be honest, one of my favorite picks in the seventh round, and I think this guy is just, his specialty is just getting after the quarterback. And I think he goes to the right team. That's Derek Tuska. And, um, defensive end slash outside linebacker. He's going to be in that three, four scheme. Derek Tuska, who was the defensive player of the year in his conference, just has a knack at bending the edge and, and getting after the quarterback. That was, I would say, one of my favorite picks in the seventh round. I was, I was really high on. When you look on like what occurred on day two and day three, who do you think you know, walked away and did really well? Give me at least one team that you think hit a home run with a couple of picks on day two, day three that that you were most excited with. Well, I'd say I'd say a D3 winner is the Browns. I mean, getting Nick Harris and uh Harrison Bryant. I think I think that that's a definitely a winner on day 3. Um and then they got Grant Delpit in the second round as well, so that was obviously a day 2 pick. So, you're really high on the Browns out there. So, are the Browns going to make the playoffs, Ed? No, I mean, just because you had a good draft doesn't mean you're going to instantly make the playoffs, unfortunately. I mean, it takes a couple of years for your draft class to turn into anything. But um, I, th I think the the Browns are, are doing the right things in drafts. So, um, you know, eventually, eventually, you know, it'll 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 turn into something. I mean, um, but yeah, I, th I think there's a... I mean, I thought I thought the Dolphins had a really good day on day three, too. I mean, getting Curtis Weaver and Jason Strobridge... Um, I like what the Ravens did, getting Ben Bredesen and James Prochet. So yeah, there were there were a few teams on day three that did pretty well. Um, best picks winners of day two. I mean, I like I like what the Bengals did. 
uh, with getting T. Higgins and Logan Wilson. I think the Texans did a good job getting Grenard, and Ross Blacklock is also another nice pick um, in the second round. Um, you know, I think he could have very well been a first-round pick. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think there are some teams that did well. We find out in three years who does well in, in the NFL draft. They always have a problem with websites or journalists that decide to do a redraft of the NFL draft uh, next year. So they're already doing a redraft after their rookie season. Like I've seen many sites out there doing a redraft of the 2019 NFL draft. You have to at least give it three years because just because you had a really good rookie season doesn't mean that you're going to turn out to be a, a stellar player. I mean, we could see it, we could say that about Nick Bosa, but um, that he's going to be a generational talent, that he's going to be a great pick for the next 10 to 12 years if he stays healthy. But I really have a problem when, when people start doing the redraft after just one year. Give it three years. Do redrafts for 2016 NFL Draft, 2017 NFL Draft, all those quarterbacks that, that went in that draft. And it's just, you know, just do that. But you can't do it after just one year. And by the way, I mean, you're not giving the Browns any credit. Spoken like a, a true Steelers fan out there, Ed. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> I mean, they have a tough division. I mean, you got the Steelers, you know, getting Ben Roethlisberger back. You got the Ravens, who are one of the two best teams in the league. And then you got the Bengals, who just got Joe Burrow. So that's that's going to turn into a tough division. I mean, that's going to have some great battles. I mean, it's going to be fun to be a fan of that division, but um, it's you know, <laughs> I don't I don't know if my team's going to win as many games. I hope that Kevin Stefanski has a positive influence over Baker Mayfield. And if he does, you know, the Browns are definitely heading in the right direction. Thank you for listening to another episode of Blitzcast. I'm Alex. That was Ed. Take care.